2: In today's show we
3: cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula 1, including a huge mistake that could spell the end of a Red Bull Junior's career, all the fallout from the Canadian GP, accusations that the FIA are too easily influenced, a rumoured completed F1 team buyout by Audi, and the potential end of F1's spa days.
1: Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are
0: listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds
3: podcast. Hi, I'm
1: Prophy, you're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go.
3: Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. This show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. Now, Sam and Grace are missing this week, but Abby's back. How are you Abby? How did it feel to miss your first ever shows?
0: It felt really strange. I was on holiday the first time and then I wasn't very well last week. But when I was on holiday, I was thinking, it's Wednesday, I'm supposed to be doing a podcast. And it was really strange. So it's really good to be back.
3: Yeah, it was weird for you not to be here or there. I can't even remember how I was on that one. But weird for you not to be on the show anyway. Uh, And we've also got James. So uh, I guess I'll be going by Kenzie this show again. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thanks, Kenzie. Yeah, a bit hot though,
3: to be honest. I think
1: most people are tonight. (laughs) Yeah,
3: no, I'm. I'm hearing it's hot in England. It's very hot, hot in France as well. Can confirm that. So don't feel like I'm getting off easy or anything. Uh, and finally, Delilah is back and with a, no, a new microphone, I, I believe. How's it going, Delilah? I think this is actually the first time we've been on a podcast together.
2: Possibly, yes, I think it is. Um, well, it's all good, I guess. You know, it's not as hot in the Netherlands right now, so that's a good thing, I guess.
3: Yep. Yeah, for the podcast at least, definitely for the next half an hour. So I'll throw it to James, uh, who has our first piece of news.
1: So yeah, the, the first major piece of news we've got is uh, Yuri Vips, Formula 2 driver uh, from high tech, uh, has rather potentially ended his career this week. Uh, he used a very uh, nasty racist term on a live stream during a during a gaming stream, uh, followed by a homophobic, a homophobic one less than a few minutes later. Uh, Red Bull acted very, very quickly. Uh, he There was a statement sent out almost straight away. Uh, he's been removed from the content pool as well, so he's not being shown on that anymore. There's an investigation going into it. Uh, and what happened, it's pretty cut and, paste, cut and dry, though. I just don't, I don't really see how he's going to come out of this with his drive. Um, we've also had a statement from Tech saying they are, quote, appalled to hear about the incident. Uh, and, and he they're, that's all they're saying at the moment. They're just waiting for the Rebel investigation to to run. So it's difficult not to be to be opinionated at this moment, but I just don't see how he can continue on in F2 this year. I think he needs to have a, uh, a bit of time away from the sport. And I don't really see a future for him in the, the sport in general, at least from a driver's perspective. I don't know what you guys think.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I think if we're being frank, I think it's his chances of making it to F1 were probably getting slimmer. By the race anyway, especially having you know thrown away that win in, in Baku in the feature race there's there's a lot of talent coming through at Red Bull uh, and yeah, I think the, the slim to little, slim to none chance of him uh, getting into a Red Bull seat or an AlphaTauri seat at some point has definitely gone now, and yeah, like you say it'll be whether he even finds any other series, because I, I agree I I would hope that he would probably have to at least leave F2 for now
1: the funny thing is um with that um is that other series you know you've had other drivers who have made faux pas online in the past but they've always found other other areas because they've always been able to apologize but the problem with what vips did it was so over the line i mean now our generations have a bit of a habit of being offended by a lot of things but with what Vip said, it went out the window. So I, I, I don't see how he can continue in any in any form of motorsport.
0: Yeah, obviously in, in the gaming community, when you're playing a game like Call of Duty, emotions do run high and you can say things that you don't mean or a slip of the tongue in that. But what was said is very extreme and it is quite shocking. And we have seen Yuri put a statement out on social media apologising and saying that he deeply regrets his actions. But uh, whether a race suspension or a season suspension will come, we don't know yet. Obviously, we'll have to see about the investigation, but it it is likely that that could happen for him.
2: Yeah, I think the almost uh, scary thing was how natural it looked to him to say what he did. And so I think that's probably the worst part because, um, yeah, the apology at that point does sound, I don't know, more weird. Because, you know, even when he was somehow called out by Lawson, which is also another um, of the Red Bull drivers, which will probably have to be taken into consideration in the investigation, he didn't really look like he minded. So I guess we'll have to see and see what Red Bull decides.
3: Uh, I'm guessing the, the faux pas that you were talking about, James, was someone like Dan Tickton, something like that, where he's been outspoken, said something out against another driver. Uh, but yeah, he's obviously made it into Formula E, but... I agree. I don't think. I think the the avenues that that Yuri Vips can now try and pursue are probably very slim. Maybe IndyCar, because I mean, Ferrucci was allowed into
1: IndyCar and he did some pretty awful stuff as well. Not as bad as Vips, though. No, and I, th- I think I think I think the major problem as well with the Vips has got is, to your point, Delilah, It all just it sounded so natural when he said it. It was just, it was was a complete slip of the tongue, and other motorsport categories they may not be F2, you know not form you know not FIA Formula One related etc. But uh, or FIA related sorry, they have their own rules as well. Um, and Tictum was rude, he was obnoxious, it, you know, you name it. But he was never racist. And then to really add fuel to the fire, he then did a homophobic comment a few minutes later, which will effectively killed off his career in any way. I mean, we've just come out of Pride Month, you know. Uh, not just for motorsport, but across the world. I mean, he could not have chosen a more ridiculous time to, to do this. So I, I, I think his career is done temporarily. I think it will return.
0: Where we saw Red Bull have a sweet race. Obviously, Max won, but Perez unfortunately had to retire. But there were three main takeaways from that race with three major teams. One was McLaren. We had Lando Norris, who had a very unfortunate race. He qualified P14 due to a power unit issue during the red flag in Q2. And he finished the race in P15, which, considering his recent performances in that, it hasn't been very good for him. And he did say that nothing went his way, especially with a particular pit stop that saw both McLaren drivers double stack and some tyres that weren't necessarily there and weren't the right ones. And then Zach Brown has apologised to Daniel Ricciardo after making some not so positive comments about his recent performances and has apologised saying that when we give him a car that suits his style and has the pace, he will win races and get on the podium. Now, when I first saw Brown's initial comments, I was thinking, you're the boss of McLaren. Surely you're supposed to be helping your drivers, not bringing them down. You're supposed to be positive about them so i'm quite glad to see him apologize for ricardo what do you guys think
1: i think he had a pretty decent weekend did danny rick for sure um i think that the power issue the power uh, unit issue for norris continued into the race that's the only explanation as far as i can tell for his severe lack of pace he was stuck behind Albon for what three quarters of the grand prix um he ricardo outshone him and it's the first time this season he's done that um I still think Ricardo is in danger. I am an I am an McLaren fan. Obviously, I'm not just saying it to be a downer, but I do think I do think he's still in danger, and we need to see what happens at Silverstone. But I do think that uh, if this continues, there's going to be a bit, of, should we say, spice at McLaren because the battle for supremacy is now on, and that's only a good thing for the fans.
3: Yeah, it was. I, I think we've kind of now officially seen McLaren move from. I mean, optimistically, the battle for third. If you think back to kind of Imola. And Lando got a podium and it was kind of, oh, will they actually be able to challenge Mercedes? And now it, they are very much in the battle with Alpine and probably Alfa Romeo for fourth, depending on how things go, if Alfa Tauri pick up. But yeah, it's, it's not really where they wanted to be. There were such high hopes, weren't there, for uh, for this new set of regulations for McLaren. Everyone thought they were going to jump to the front. They've kind of, at best, stayed where they were, if not fallen back a bit.
0: Yeah, well, they have said that they're battling teams that they didn't want to battle, and speaking of uh, James, or Kenzie, it gets very confusing having both James on the same podcast. We Mercedes, do apologise. <laughs> that's all
1: right.
0: Mercedes are back. Well, I mean, Russell has had a good season all the way through, but Lewis Hamilton is back, I should say. He got his second podium and he had an amazing race in Canada. And for me, who is a, Le- a McLaren fan, but a Lewis fan, I was so happy to see him up there and Nearly matching the pace of science and Verstappen.
3: Yeah, no, it's it's good to to see Lewis back where you could say he belongs. Try not to be to biased to be biased there, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll try not to repeat, repeat what I said on the Cuts of the Race podcast, but it was clearly that his back was was looking better, uh, no no problems there, and it, it does it you can have some hope now that maybe we'll get threes three-team battle at the front for certain circuits. Maybe Silverstone next up, smoother surface, fast corners. And that'd be great to see. If we can get all three teams battling at the front, then yeah, definitely.
0: Do you think there'll be a change in the roles at Mercedes? Because Lewis has said that now George can be the guinea pig within the team for the second half of the season. Do you think we could see that?
3: It was, I think it was, kind of, it was a flippant comment, wasn't it? But yeah, I think it was maybe kind of, a bit of reading between the lines for for Toto and whoever makes those decisions lewis saying like like come on i've i've done some donkey work here kind of doing these experimental setups which sometimes have ended up with him not getting through Q1 like in saudi arabia uh, and bouncing a lot at baku I don't, I don't know i think probably they're obviously using lewis because he's incredibly experienced and he's got nearly 300 races under his belt and george was obviously going to have to acclimatize I don't know, I think maybe they'll balance it out a bit between the two of them now that George is fully comfortable in the car.
2: Also, can I say probably also, if you were to, I don't know, risk a weekend with someone, um, I would 100% do it with Lewis because I would trust that somehow he's going to sort it out. I would just like be like, yeah, I mean, if there's someone that can still somehow salvage the situation, I do believe in Lewis Hamilton to do that. Uh, But at the same time, I do see probably on Lewis side that kind of opinion of saying, yeah, okay, but I've done my part now. Let it do to the young guy, maybe that can also work, I guess.
1: George did try and be a bit bold in qualifying didn't he anyway uh, With that uh, should we say optimistic run on slick tyres on a wet track Which did not go well So I think George definitely has it in him to do these you know, these daring calls But perhaps he may not be ready fully yet to do them on his own And that might be putting him down I don't know But um, I think he's still developing at Mercedes He's comfortable but he's not quite level at this way Where he can make these big decisions
0: Well the third takeaway from Canada is Ferrari and particularly Carlos Sainz. Now earlier this season there were talks of whether he deserved his seat at Ferrari because his performance hadn't been that great. He suffered a lot of DNFs and that compared to Leclerc who was right at the front but this weekend he had a really good weekend in Canada and he could have got his maiden win but he just couldn't quite overtake Verstappen. Now Delilah, I know you're a Ferrari fan. So, what do you think about science saying that he was the fastest guy on track on both medium and hard tyres and that he gave his maximum and he could have got max?
2: I think it's a bit of a double edged sword in this sense. uh, Because, yes, on one side, I think it's great. He did finally the performance that was sort of expected from him, and even better, maybe. I think he did everything that he could have done. Um, So, that is great. And I think it's also what he needed at this point in the season to sort of, you know, build that confidence up again. At the same time, I do think there is one side which still thinks like, okay, but what if Leclerc was there? Because you had the fastest car, because you had the DRS, because you had the dire advantage at the end and you were not able to overtake Max anyway. Which, by the way, like Max drove in an incredible way and he's a world champion and he showed that it's not by, by accident and whatever. But at the same time, there is still that kind of like comparison, which doesn't seem fair. So I don't know how to feel about that because I do think that's what Carlos needed. And at the same time, I do think that if he had won, it would have been easier in the sense of not being like just waiting for the moment that Leclerc's come back. And at the same time, it would have also created more problems with Ferrari because now sort of like the team order is solidified in the team with this weekend, I think.
1: Carlos just needs a bit of time, I think, to get his stock back up from the sound of things. Because I'm completely with you, Delighted. I mean, he, you, I had the exact same thought, to be honest, of watching Carlos cruise up to the back of Verstappen, not be able to pass him because Verstappen was driving amazingly. But you do think to yourself, you know, what would have happened if car, you no know, if, um, if Charles Sorry was in that car, and that is purely because he's had such a dreadful start to the season, not being, you know, not being on Charles's level. So hopefully this is the start of a turnaround for Carlos, but he has a some way to go if he's going to regain his value and his stock, I think, within the team and probably in Formula One in general, to be honest.
2: So, the FIA continues to have a difficult weekend. Uh, this weekend in particular, it has been accused by both uh, Kevin Magnussen and Mattia Binotto. On one side, Kevin Magnussen accused the FIA of being too easily influenced. In particular, what happened was uh, Kevin Magnussen front wing was damaged following a contact that, during the first lap of the race. He was eventually called to box on lap 7th of the race after Esteban Ocon actually complained about his front wing, um, especially saying that it's not safe. According to Magnussen, the front wing was 100% safe and the FIA only gave him a black and orange flag after Ocon complained. And on the other side of the conversation, Mattia Binotto actually complained, saying that the timing with the virtual safety car wasn't really right. He also said that possibly the safety car was not necessary or it wasn't necessary in that particular moment. So what do you think about that? Because I do think we sort of have seen the FIA shifting towards maybe being more cautious in their cause?
1: I think they've become more reactionary as time has gone on. I do definitely think they have. They've, they've stopped being proactive in the decision making, I think. And there's, as you say, there are numerous examples now of where a situation will occur and then they'll react based on someone else's input. Uh, it's, this has never happened with the FIA before. They've always been very authoritative as an organisation and I mean by this race control uh, we've never had an incident before where someone said oh I think you should punish them because of this and then lo and behold something happens it's a dangerous precedent in my view I think it's something that the FIA will, will get out of with experience as the new race control starts to become more embedded in, in the regulations, embedded in how people are driving and you know particular drive, people's driving styles and political stances, both are on and off the track but at the moment, it's they are still, they're not making mistakes, but they're not covering themselves in glory by just reacting to things.
3: I agree that it seems like, yeah, reactionary is a good way of describing it. And they've been pretty cautious, I think, on the whole, you know, when we've seen red flags flown for something where the, the guys then just kind of reversed out the wall and carried on, more so in practice and qualifying than the race. But yeah, um, but to play devil's advocate, I think this could be because there's now the, the ban on communication directly that we obviously only started hearing last year, Toto and Horner and Jonathan Wheatley and, you know, going on at Michael Massey. But it always existed, we just didn't hear it before that. So where before it was probably constantly Alpine going, oh, can, you know, get Magnussen out of the way. We now hear it through the drivers saying it. That seems to be the, the, the tack that they're taking now in terms of getting their voices heard. It's just making sure the driver says it. It's been pretty noticeable this year, I think. There was always a bit of it, but now it's like, oh, didn't he cut you off there? And then the driver saying, yes, he did, and then we'll see that. So maybe that's where the reactionary like, feeling comes from.
1: Waiting for their cue, basically, <laughs> from the pit wall.
3: Yeah, pretty much. But enough about last weekend. Uh, so moving on to the future, Audi have reportedly agreed a buyout with the Sauber Formula 1 team but are keeping the deal under wraps. So this story apparently comes courtesy of an unnamed team principal who says it's a done deal. Uh, it wouldn't be the first for Sauber, obviously formerly BMW Salba and now owned by Alfa Romeo. Uh, do we believe this mystery team boss? Uh, and how would you all feel about Audi Salba?
1: I bet money it's Christian Horner, in which case I wouldn't believe a word of it.
3: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, well... We let's assume it's not Horner for the, for the sake of argument.
1: Then there's truth to it. How much we don't know.
3: Yeah, just to clarify, then this is for 2026, which is when the VW Group is due to to make its first foray into the sport. So that will be Audi and Porsche. There are lots of rumours about Red Bull and Porsche joining up in terms of power units. And yeah, I mean, Frederick Vasseur's the the Alpha Romeo. Alfa Romeo team principal said that he, he pointed the finger more in the direction of Williams. He said they've got ties, uh, apparently, with with German manufacturers and particularly with Audi. Uh, I think Williams-Renault seems more likely at this point. We've got the Oscar Piastri rumours, which won't die. And, yeah, I, I think Audi-Sauber sounds like something that could happen. Uh, Abby, Delilah? Yeah,
0: I think obviously we've heard loads of news about Audi trying to join the sport so to have this kind of potential confirmation of Audi Sauber coming into F1 it is good because it is confirmation and I think Audi joining F1 could be quite good obviously it would add another team to the grid which I know a lot of current team principals are quite opposed to with everything going on but obviously there's high-tech Grand Prix which came out on Twitter today someone tweeted that they are looking to join F1 at 2025 so a year earlier than the VW group joining it but I think Audi Sauber seems really plausible to happen
2: I will only say that to be honest um, the one thing that I would be most concerned about is just the brand of like Alfa Romeo remaining in Formula 1 because I think you know it's like so much of the history of formula one also it's an italian brand so i am a hundred percent siding with them um and i am not objective in this thing but yeah that's my my main thing basically
1: what i would also say to this is i would i would like to have alfa Romeo rain as well but you know to say, say that to lila but if they can't then, and this is happening Sal was actually a pretty good team to go after because they have been bought out before. So they were owned by BMW in the early two thousands. They did, after their deal with Williams went to you know went to par. So they have experience of being with them as a main manufacturer team. Now that was what fifteen years ago, but there's just a chance that they probably look at that and think these guys have. These guys have got the experience, but they've also got the facilities to house us. And let's not forget, that's what they need to do as well. Yes, Audi's got this huge facility, you know, you know, you know, back in Germany. But if they've looked at the at the Swiss team and gone, "You've got these amazing facilities, and it's going to help us out," they will jump because they don't want to invest extra money. They may be lo- they may be loaded of the this, this stuff, but they don't want to be spending extra if they don't have to.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think as fans, we'd all love to see Audi join in its own rights. Uh, I mean, or, you know, they could team up with Andretti. Andretti nearly bought uh, Alfa Romeo or Sauber, if you want to phrase it, apparently last year and, and are now looking to to make their way in. But yeah, I think more realistically, it is it's so expensive to join the sport that it, it makes much more sense economically for, for these big, even huge companies like yeah VW, Audi and Porsche to to join forces with someone who already has everything that they need.
0: Speaking of things joining the sport and also things potentially leaving the sport there has been news around the 2023 calendar regarding Spa and a potential new French Grand Prix. Now obviously we've got loads of new races being added with Miami and Las Vegas next year and 2023 is apparently it could be a 24 race calendar with eight European races. Now, I read a very interesting article earlier that said the only difference between a 23 race calendar and a 24 race calendar is the Chinese Grand Prix. And one thing that was the same was that Spa wasn't on it. Now, Spa is a massive part of F1 history, but it is at risk of losing its place on the calendar because of all these new races. Now, the contract of that circuit does run out this year and it has been revealed by Alberto Fabrega on Twitter that Spa could become a rotational race so not there for 2023 but there for 2024 say and that it could host a non-championship race for rookies. What do you guys think about the potential of losing Spa from the calendar?
3: I think it would be sacrilege you know Spa I mean we talk about Monaco and Monaco is more of a, a Marmite kind of Grand Prix, you know. And I think even within, like, one person, it's not like everyone loves it or hates it. You kind of, you love and hate it. You look forward to Monaco and then it gets to Sunday and it's kind of dull. But Spa's always been great. I mean, it's great racing, it's a great track, and it's quite often the weather. Obviously, the weather was a problem last year, but it's it normally makes it interesting. And yeah, and we're talking about history and Alfa Romeo. I mean, Spa's been there since pretty much the start as well. It'll be a real shame to see it go, alternating could work uh, i'm not sure yeah what i'd like it to alternate with but this non-championship race i just don't get like getting i don't know if they would want an entire 20 car field of rookies but even with like all the the team academies that seems hard to to knock up and they, they're with a budget cap are they going to add more races that don't actually even mean anything?
1: I, I mean, it's very sad to admit this. Unfortunately, my YouTube knows what I like on a Sunday, so I end up watching Formula, F- you know, the Formula Four um, races on, on the stream from where was the last one? Um, I think it was Spa, actually, of all places. They have like six thousand people watching them. That's it. That you would not get the audience level in for this. You can't rely on a circuit just for just to bring in the crowds just based on the name. I love Spa. Fra- I love spa and shop. It's a race I'd love to go to one day, um, and I just—it I, is sacrilege to quote, to quote you, James, <laughs> uh, because I can remember all the cool the races that were there: Hakkinen in two thousand, um, Coulthard spending sending the entire field into into the auto shop in ninety-eight. <laughs> you know, you, these are things that you you never forget, and it always produces great racing. I actually forgot about last year's debacle, though. That was the weather, nothing else. I don't see how an alternating system could work because we've had tracks before that have been alternated and then they've disappeared from the calendar altogether the following year or two years later. And I know we have this, this idea in our heads now that, you know, we have to make more cool street circuits, et cetera. And Lewis Hamilton is right in one respect saying that they, you know, to bring people into these places, it results in a huge fan base ready to go in street circuits, but you cannot be a track like Spa-Francorchamps. And they have personality. And if you take that away, we're just going to end up with more street circuits, devoid of any personality, devoid of any exciting action. And that will kill a lot of Formula One's fan, fan base, particularly traditionists such as myself, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> you mentioned street circuits there, James. Now, the French Grand Prix at the moment, it's at Paul Ricard. But Stefano Domenicali has hinted that the French Grand Prix could happen in Nice in the future because the Paul Ricard contract ends at the end of July and Nieces has been hinted at the potential new host with it being street circuit and part of it including the street named after the late Jules Bianchi. Now I quite like France as part of F1, it's part of F1's history. I'm not a massive fan of the Paul Ricard circuit but I don't know what to think about hosting a street circuit in nice what do you guys think
3: now speaking as a french resident i agree that paul ricard is not the generally produced the best races although it's only had what like five i think like we're we're writing off pretty quickly maybe just because of the horrible stripes but nice is basically monaco like i don't think people necessarily realize this in england it is literally you know that hill you can see in the background of monaco it's the other side of that it is like it's where people land and then they fly over the hills to get into Monaco. That seems crazy. It would be like having, a, you know, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone and then another Grand Prix in like Oxford. Not even that, it's closer than that. But I think there are other options. I mean, <laughs> biased, but I would say Paris. Why just come to
1: Paris so I can watch it out my window? Totally with you. Totally with you. Um, I, Paul Ricard was once described as by my family as a car park with stripes. Um, it's not the greatest circuit in the world. I don't like Paul Ricard at all. I think it's devoid of any personality, to use that word again. Um, I've, nice could be interesting. I just... Not another street circuit. Please, not another street circuit. I'm so bored of them. Um, they don't bring anything to the sport. And the racing, with the exception of Singapore... Is never good on them. I mean, Montreal and Australia don't really count as street circuits because they are old highways, etc. Uh, I just don't see how anything can ever. We seem to be we seem to be chasing this dream in street circuits that we can re- we can replicate Singapore, we can replicate Montreal. You never can. They're there for a reason, and I think just Nice would be a sticking plaster to a really big problem.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree totally about. It. I think we've reached the limit of how many street races we can have. Like, it used to be pretty much just Monaco, right? Like, and yeah, like you say, there are a couple of others who were technically streets but weren't, you know, proper. Like we have in Formula E, obviously, which was a necessity in Formula E due to the speeds at the start. Yeah, you know, F1 should be primarily on circuits. But it's all it's all commercial, isn't it? That's the reasoning. It's getting into the, the big cities and stuff like Vegas, where they're not going to build a track for no reason. Uh, they're gonna they want it to go past the the landmarks and bring in the money. Unfortunately,
2: yeah. I will also say the discussion about Paul Ricard is always also about the fact that it has like what seventy possible different layouts. Not one can work like i i don't believe that probably you can make it work plus it's basically a parking lot i do think that even if in those 70 nothing works you can find probably another 70 you have the space you have the possibility to do something so yeah i don't know i don't think we are still like out of options in that regard probably
3: that could make it interesting uh, it's a 70 lap race ish, isn't it? So just do a different combination for every lap of the race. There you go. And then, you know, it's like they'll be going across each other, like crossroads would be great. That
1: would make it interesting. I'd love to say in that safety briefing. So the other idea we've got for Paul Ricard is a very simple one grass and gravel. That would make it a bit more interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, but I think that's about all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com to check out the latest news and also check out Sunday's Cut to the Race podcast where myself, Ollie, and John discussed the Canadian Grand Prix at length. So it's been great to have all three of you. Uh, If you enjoyed it? Abby, good to be back.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I will be here next week as
3: well. Glad to hear it. And James and Delilah also, thank you for joining me. Uh, But Abby, on your return, I think I'll let you sign off. It's only right. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.
2: Podcast Network.